Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. This is the time of year when people all over the world stop and celebrate Christmas. And our lives are transformed in so many ways. Our homes are transformed with decorations and twinkling lights. Our diets with cake and cookies and pies and candy. And we know we shouldn't eat all of it, but it's Christmas. And so we do, and our activities are transformed. And in a hundred different ways, for a hundred different reasons, we all begin to pursue things like gladness and gratitude and kindness and generosity and compassion and it's as if the, the people all over the world have agreed for this moment, we're all going to try to just be happy together. And in, in some strange way, for all different sorts of reasons, we recognize that there's a magic in the air. There's, there's Christmas in the air. And it's strange, like for a moment you're thinking, is Starbucks on the same page as my church? And is my church on the same page as my Nana? And we all want to bundle up in coats and scarves and hats and go and look at Christmas lights. But it's Texas and it's 80 degrees today, so skip the scarf, wear the t-shirt, see your lights. We recognize this and there's an energy and an enthusiasm about today and about tomorrow. And I say that knowing that it, it comes for all different kinds of reasons. As Christians, we celebrate Christmas because we believe it's all true. We believe that the Christmas story of Jesus come to earth being born in a manger is all true. And he did so to share in the human experience. But at the same time, he rose above the human experience by living a completely sinless life and revealing to us what the true nature of God's love is for us. And by sacrificing himself so that you and I could experience unbelievable life in him. We celebrate Christmas because we, we believe it is all true. It's all true. And yet, there's a danger even for us at Christmas. There's a tendency and a temptation even for us to believe it's all true, but it's kind of sentimental. And that's a real danger for us if we begin to move into that mentality. Dallas Willard said something about this. He said, there are things that can become so familiar to us that in time... They become unfamiliar to us. And isn't that true that that can happen to us at, at Christmas time? We, we sing joy to the world and hark the herald angels sing. And we miss that these are songs that are full of words declaring these incredible truths about who God is and about our life with God that should carry us through all of the seasons of our life. And we sing them and are just caught up in the tradition of them and it's like we can, we can read the Christmas story about Jesus being born in a manger and then go and watch It's a Wonderful Life on TV and have exactly the same warm, fuzzy feelings. And it's not that we have disbelieved the Christmas gospel. We believe it's true, but it's become more sentimental to us. And when that happens, it ceases to be personal and powerful to us to address us in a knowing and soul fulfilling way. And that's a challenge even for us at Christmas, that it would be true but just sentimental. Now, we also know that there are people all over the world who, who believe it's not true, right? 
that they don't believe the story of the baby born in the manger. They say that this is not a true story. It's just a story that's been written for entertainment. Maybe they don't believe there's a God, or maybe they believe there's a God, but if, if there is one, he left us on our own a long time ago, and all of these stories are just stories. They're not true. Now, there are people in, in that camp who believe it's not true, but they celebrate because they believe it's inspirational. They, they think the, the story of angels and, and a baby in a manger and all of these glad tidings, they're there to make you feel good and to give you some direction or motivation for your life. And, and there are people all over the place. Maybe most people celebrate Christmas for this reason. And when they come to the Bible, if they don't outright reject reading it, they read it as a collection of inspirational tales to direct and motivate your decisions in life. And so they come to stories like David and Goliath, and they go, well, it's a wonderful story of uh, facing your fears and facing the giants in your life and not backing down. And they come to the story of, of Jonah and the whale, and they go, that's a story about not running from your responsibilities, it's a story about not running from your great purpose in life. And, and you've seen people do this with the Bible, and, and maybe you have done it too. But here's what I want you to hear tonight. This is really important. Don't settle for sentiment, and don't dismiss it as inspiration. Jesus came for transformation. And the Christmas gospel isn't here to make you feel better for a moment. It's here to make you better. That's what this story is here for. The Christmas gospel is here that we would know the experience of God being with us and for us. It would be shockingly personal and transformational to your life and to my life. That's the Christmas story. And if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that we've been talking about Christmas as a kind of a gift exchange where we have things that we've held on to in our life for all kinds of reasons, but we're invited to open our hands and to give these things over to God so that we might receive from Him in exchange greater things, things that He would give us simply in, our, in response to our willingness to open our lives up to Him and to begin to trust Him. And tonight, what I want you to see is the Christmas story isn't just good news, it's great news. Not, don't settle for great, it's the greatest news because it's the invitation of God to give him our pursuits of happiness and receive from him in exchange his perfect and fulfilling, soul-satisfying joy. That's the story of Christmas. And Lori read just a few moments ago, from Luke 2, 1 through 12. I want to come back to verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, the story is about exchanging happy for soul-satisfying joy. That's the, the Christmas promise. And I, I think you know this. I think you know that there is a, a big difference between happiness and joy, right? These are two totally different animals. We get them confused sometimes. We confuse joy with its cousin happiness because outwardly they resemble each other in some ways. But happiness comes from this middle root uh, word, 
hap. <laughs> and the word means chance. It means good luck. It basically, it means happiness happens when what we think we want happens. And when that doesn't happen, well, we're not happy. Easy for you to say. Good things might happen to you. That's what happiness is about. If you're lucky, if you work hard, if all the stars align, you might be happy. But it's only for a moment. It's fleeting. It doesn't satisfy you completely and it doesn't stay forever because the world in the way that it promises happiness, even if it delivers on occasion, the world also takes from us happiness and seeks to destroy it in us. Now, joy... Joy is a wildly different animal. It expresses itself as a feeling, but it's so much deeper than a feeling. Joy is like knowing a special secret and being on the inside. Joy is like a, a deep delight within that comes from inner contentment. And when joy comes to you, it's like a reservoir in your soul that continues to feed a never-ending, never-ceasing river flooding through your life. Happiness, well, happiness makes you happy for a moment. Joy makes you better, right? And the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is marked in every way by joy that makes you better. It's the mood of the first Christmas. And hit verse 10 again, listen. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Verse 11 for today, a real day in the history of the world, in the city of David, in a real place, in the real world in which you and I live, there has been born for us a Savior, one who comes to remove the guilt and the brokenness of our lives and save us from that. He is Christ, which means he is the promised one who delivers. He proves that God is faithful to fulfill all of his promises and to meet all of our needs. And he is the Lord. He's the one who stands for us. He goes before us, he watches our backs, and he makes us safe and secure forever. The danger here is that we read these words quickly and, and with so much familiarity, familiarity that from our, our 21st century overly busy and overly stimulated lives, we just, we read them and then we give them a little golf clap. That's good. You know, just a bland mediocre amen and a little little golf clap for the greatest news ever told and the most joy-inducing thing that has happened in the history of the world. We settle for sentimentality and for inspiration and we miss the entire power of Christmas. And if that's all it is, just sentiment and inspiration, then it is, it is not good for us at all. It does nothing for us. It's pointless. But look what happens next in verse 15. When the angels had departed from them, from the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, well, let's go straight to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came quick, fast, in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement which they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told to them by the shepherds. What the shepherds found when they looked in the manger was joy unspeakable joy, unbelievable before this moment, 
joy because the child that was born in the manger was the visible presence of the invisible God, declaring God's love, his presence, and his mercies towards humanity. They didn't just see a baby in a manger as a sign of of sentiment or of goodwill or something to inspire people from God. They saw beyond a baby in a manger to see a king on a throne with power in his hand to save. And they were filled with joy. It's as Eugene Peterson said here in the paraphrase of, of John 1.14. He said the word Jesus became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. And then they could finally see it. We could see We saw the glory with our own eyes. It's a -a one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and outside from start to finish. See, what the, the shepherds saw when they looked at Jesus, born a baby in a manger, when they looked and saw, they believed and joy flooded their soul. And in the word that Luke uses here, it, it, it speaks to more than like physical sight. It speaks to the totality of sight. They saw with their mind and their heart. Their, they saw with their life. They saw in a believing way. They saw the good news for all people, a Savior born for all humanity, the love of God born in human flesh with joy in their hearts. It moved them and they flooded into the community to talk about what they had seen and heard. And they remind me of, of Every person I've ever met who's encountered Jesus for themselves. They remind me in the Bible of of Anna. She was the old woman in the temple when Jesus was brought as a young child who, who saw him and the moment her eyes fell on him, she was filled with joy and she ran around the temple telling everyone, hope has come, deliverance has come, salvation has come, that joy has come for the people of God. The shepherds, they remind me of Peter and John in Acts 4, who their own confession, under threat of violence against their life, they said, we can't help it. We cannot help but talk about what we have seen and heard in Jesus. It's too good and it just comes out from us. They remind me of of Saul of Tarsus, who fell to the ground, and when he fell to the ground, all of the things he had stacked up to try to climb to happiness fell down with him. And when he stood up again, he was a new man. He had new sight, new perspective, new vision. And he reflected back on that moment in Philippians 3. And when he reflected on it, he said this, but whatever things were gain to me, all the things that I used to think would make me satisfied and happy, the things I I clung to to try to feel happy for a moment, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ." Those things were distracting me all along, and they never fulfilled me. Why this response? From Saul and Anna and Peter and John, why this response in my own life and in the lives of people all over the room this evening? Jesus told us why. In Luke 6, he said, because the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. You see that? Because the shepherds and these people and I have encountered Jesus, the Christmas gospel, God with us for myself, and I can't help but talk about what I've experienced in Jesus. In all of these cases, their circumstances didn't suddenly get better and become something that would make them feel better for a moment. No, those things didn't change. What happened was 
They saw Jesus and were filled with overwhelming joy. And it began to spill out in their lives. And back to our shepherds. Do you know what the shepherds did next? Look at this. They went to the fields. They went back to work. They went back to their sheep, to broken relationships that were there waiting on them, to, to frustrations they had before they saw a baby in a manger who is Christ the Lord. They went back to life. But when they went back, something was different about them. They had encountered not just a baby, but the king of the universe and the king of their hearts. So they went back transformed and being transformed, they went back with a joy driving them back into their life. Verse 20, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as it had been told to them. See, because they were open to receive the Christmas gospel, they received the Christmas transformation right? They, they were marked by the joy that comes only by knowing that God is with them and for them, that God is real, that his eye is on them, that he does care, that God draws near and he invites us to draw near to him and experience from him life, to give him all of the things that we can't handle in this life, all of the things that, that steal life from us and give to us life and life abundant. But to experience that, it's not enough to just peek in at the Christmas story. It's not enough to just come to the edge and look into the manger of the nativity and say, isn't that special? Doesn't it just warm your heart? No, you see, if Jesus was born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but never in your heart, you would be eternally lost. The, the gospel would be outside of you and not at work inside of you to bring about life and transformation. Jesus, who was born into the world, must be born into your heart and be given authority to reign in your life and to bring about a transformation, giving you righteousness and goodness and peace and satisfaction and grace and truth and humility that produces joy. All of the trappings of abundant life in Christ. And friends, the ultimate truth about your relationship with Jesus is what happens after Christmas, after the, the nativity, like the shepherds. It's what happens when the holy moment is in the rear view mirror and you begin to look and say, is something at work inside of me now? Was I not just warmed for a moment, but has something changed? Is something being changed inside of me now? Am I going about glorifying and praising God for all that I have seen and heard so far in my relationship with Christ? Jesus saves. This is what you're here to hear tonight. Jesus saves. The Son of God was born in the flesh. He lived in the flesh, died in the flesh, and resurrected in the flesh that you and I might experience life and life abundant in him. That's what you're here to hear tonight. This is good news of great joy for all people who encounter him. But you don't experience it if you stand back from a distance and just kind of observe and in kind of a recognizing, knowing way. It only comes when you come close to the Christmas gospel. And like the shepherds, you see in a holistic and believing way. And you begin to receive from him life. And you begin to trust him to do just as he has always 
promised to build in us a new life, to exchange our anxieties for his peace, to, to exchange his healing for our hurts, to in us not just make us feel better for a moment, but to, to make us better by producing in us hearts of gratitude and generosity, grit, truth, grace, all of the beautiful things that God's wanted for us from the very beginning. And he does this, just like Jesus said in John 15, he does this because his desire is to pour all of the joy that is within him into us and that our joy would be made full. Can we pray this evening? Jesus, we thank you that there was a moment where you left eternity to enter time. You took off the robes of glory and you put on flesh and humanity and humility. That you would subject yourself to be born a baby and to walk in a broken world. That you would put off glory. You would put on humility and you would do so that we could come close. You would do so that we would not be afraid that you would do so that we could be welcomed to the throne of grace and know that God is here to give us help in our time of, of need. We thank you for blessing us. I pray this evening for those who've gathered that the Christmas gospel would ring true deep in their soul, that they wouldn't just hear and then move to cookies, but they would hear and be filled with joy. I pray that we wouldn't be a people who would settle on happiness, but we would crave wholeness, and that would be satisfied in you alone. In Christ's name, amen.